Well, good morning to each one this morning. On behalf of all the uh, unnecessary words of announcement that you've all heard and some extra sign work, I uh, was moved by the song that we sang, so I'm going to leave it at that. I really want to be an instrument of peace. I'd also like to say happy birthday to Dan Landis, Gabrielle Landis, Ellie Martin, and Ed Stauffer. Didn't realize I go to church with such comedians. <clears throat> anyway, it is good to be here with you all this morning. And uh, the title of the message this morning is Living Water. I don't know if it was just me or if you would agree, this summer has been very, very warm. And during the heat of the day, if you're working outside, like many of you are, um, you want to have water close by. Fresh, cold, refreshing water. A few weeks ago, on a very, very warm day, I, I headed off for a, a bike ride, and I'm not sure what I was thinking, but I left uh, without water. So I got to a place, it was some visitor center type place. I'm like, oh, they should have water. So I went there, of course, COVID had it closed, but she was sitting inside her little window and asked if they had water. She said, no, but there's a fountain out by the, out by the sidewalk. Okay. So I, I um, went to the, the, out to the fountain there for some water, and of course I had to test it with my hand. I almost thought I'm going to burn my hand on this water because it was very, very warm. I passed on that water and waited till later until I could get some fresh, cold water to drink. Water. We were said, it was said we can go 50 days without food, but only two or four days without water. So what we do, we need to remember is that we need water to survive. Statistics show that an average male Men, we need about a gallon of water a day. If you look it up, it says 15.5 uh, cups, which is all but a gallon. Thinking of water, uh, our homes, water is a must. We all have water in our houses, access to running water in the bathroom, the kitchen, um, and the laundry. In a house with, without water, there's a lot of things that you cannot do. What about animals? This time of the year, all, all around the year as far as that goes, but animals need water to survive as well as plants and trees. And without water, they will die. And most times, water is our friend. We like water, we need water. Tuesday, I get a phone call from my wife and she said, there's a small issue, we got one and a half to two inches of water in the basement. And while we have water in our homes, we choose to control its location, and that time, we could not. Think of the chemical formula for water, it's H2O. We refer to that uh, a bunch of times, and meaning that each molecule of water has, uh, is two, has one oxygen atom and two hydrogen. And you think about that just for a moment. Hydrogen is flammable. But what do we use to fight, to fight fires? Do we not use water? Oxygen is not flammable, but if you want to get a, a campfire going, what do you do? You light it and you blow on it. You use oxygen, you use air or oxygen to get a fire going. But that's just some interesting tidbit there. 71% of the Earth's surface is covered with water. And I was told, I read, water is one of the most important substances on Earth. So we need water. If there was no water, there would be no life on Earth. In John 4, Jesus told a Samaritan woman he is able to supply her with living water. I invite your attention to John chapter 4. I'd like to read a few verses here for the message, which is titled Living Water. 
We're going to read the first 26 verses. A little story here, how Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. John 4. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his, his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. The woman, said, the woman of Samaria, then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up, into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast now is not thine husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto, her, unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, when he, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. It appears that Jesus and his disciples left Judea to avoid trouble with, uh, with the Pharisees. And so they went on to Galilee. Now, the Jews, in, in taking this commute, they would often bypass Samaria by crossing the Jordan River, then going north on the east side to get back over, over in, into Galilee. But here we see Jesus taking the shortest route from point A to point B and took him directly through the town of Samaria. So they traveled until they came to Jacob's well. And interestingly enough, that well is only mentioned in, in the Gospel of John. And the well is about two miles northeast of what is called today Nablus, and that well can still be visited today. 
This well is approximately 100 feet deep and 3 feet in diameter. So the uh, disciples left Jesus there at the well to rest, and they went into town to buy food. Uh, verse 6 says it was about the sixth hour, which that uh, would be about noontime, because the Jewish day started counting beginning at 6 o'clock in the morning. So picture Jesus resting there, and a woman a Samaritan woman coming to the well to get water. And this, again, noontime. And it's kind of interesting to note that the women did normally not go to the well at noontime to get water because of the intense heat of the day. But So either she was completely out of water and in desperate need, or she didn't like to go to the well to get her water when the other groups of people went on a colder time of the day. So Jesus is sitting there, and this woman walks up. Verse... Uh, Verse 6 tells us, Jesus, being weary from his journey, sat thus on the well. So if I, you picture this three-foot diameter well, and Jesus is just sitting on the edge, and the woman walks up, and Jesus said, uh, Give me to drink. Along comes this woman, and Jesus asks, says to her, Will you give me some, some water? Now, again, put yourself there. She didn't know that the person that was asking for a drink was Jesus. However, she did see that this man was a Jew. And she also was aware that the Jews, as the Bible tells us, they had no dealings with the Samaritans. There was some sharp hatred between the two groups. No Samaritan was allowed to become a convert of the Jews. And while the Jews might be friendly with a heathen person, they were never friendly with the Samaritan. So it's kind of a sad picture here. Definitely some sharp hatred, some racial segregation, and some prejudice between these two groups. But what we see here is that Jesus lived above the level of prejudice, and he purposely engaged in conversation with this woman. Did you ever read this account and ask yourself, why did Jesus talk to this woman? Why did he begin this conversation? And we can look at three different points. Number one, it showed his concern and compassion for the lost. Jesus knew, he knows our situation this morning, and he knew the situation of this woman. And he had compassion and concern for her, even for those who were despised and rejected, and the Samaritans were. Also, Jesus saw an emptiness in this woman's heart. As, as I was reading, we found out this lady had been married numerous times, so her lifestyle makes it quite evident that there was emptiness in her heart. And also think that Jesus saw past the emptiness that she had, and what he saw when she came walking up was a woman who was searching for something to spill, fill an empty spot in her life. So we, we read the account, and we see a woman come walking up, but through the eyes of Christ, he saw so much more. And he began to witness to her. In, in the book, How to Give Your Life Away, Paul Little takes this account from John 4 and draws eight points for witnessing. I didn't do a lot of study into these. I just uh, put down here what he, what he has. Number one, contact others socially. And think about how Jesus handled what, what this Paul Little guy was saying. Contact others socially. Establish common ground, which he did that. Arouse interest, which we're going to see. He obviously did that. Get the ball rolling. Don't go too far. Don't condemn. Stick with the main issue and confront the person directly. His eight steps that he had there. But so when you think uh, uh, in the light of that, Along comes this woman walking up, and Jesus simply started the conversation by saying, will you give me some water? And I, I believe that Jesus' request shocked this woman. 
Why? Because of the whole Jew, the whole uh, Jew and, and Samaritan thing. But she was sitting there. Uh, she saw him sitting there when she walks up. She came. She had one purpose: get some water and get back home. And I, I'm sure she saw, as we see here, she recognized the Jew sitting there, but never expected this stranger to talk with her. So her, her reply seems a bit curt, possibly rude. But what did Jesus do? When, he, when, when, uh, when she said, why are you asking a drink of me? Don't you know that there's this hatred between us? But it's so beautiful how Jesus avoided the argument. And he drew attention to the gift of salvation that's available to all. In verse 10, he said, um, after she gave her line in verse 9, why are you asking a drink of me? Jesus said, if thou knewest the gift of God. If you knew. And church... This is the reason we need to be faithful witnesses for the Lord. And we think that, well, the states are over-churched. A lot of people are, there's a lot of churches in our, in our nation. That's true. But many people today do not know Jesus. And there's a big difference just, uh, uh, from to saying his name to actually, allowing him, to actually inviting him into your heart and living a life with Jesus right here where he needs to be. People today, a lot, do not know Jesus. That's this Samaritan woman here. Well, she did say that they worship, but she had definitely had some, uh, some concerns, as, as we can read about. People today don't know the one who is able to provide them with the peace they crave. And that goes back. That is Jesus Christ. He can provide us with the peace that we're looking for, with the joy that, that we need, and the happiness that we're seeking. People today are seeking for so much, and they're looking at other places other than the Lord Jesus Christ. But think about it, trying to find pleasure and satisfaction in things here on the earth will not quench the thirst of the human heart. And many today and resort to drugs and alcohol. But here we see that, that we know, and I trust we all know this morning, that Jesus is the answer for the world's problems. But Jesus was trying to get this woman here to see that water, the actual water, H2O, whatever you want to call it, cannot permanently quench her inner desires. She was married five times, I mentioned that earlier, a clear indication that her life was not going well and she needs something to fill that void. Several decades ago, um, an advice columnist received this letter from an inquirer. I quote, something is missing from my life. I feel a certain emptiness. It's just sort of blah. Nothing exciting seems to happen to me. What's my problem? Those of us a little bit older know the lady that responded, namely Ann Landers. She says, your problem is that you don't have problems. I hear from thousands of people who wish things would quit happening to them. Count your blessings and take it from me, lady. That emptiness is in your head. So someone said, I got a problem. She said, no, actually, you don't. And then uh, where I found this, it goes on to say, it's important that we clarify that the emptiness that she was experiencing was not in her head, but it was in her soul. Brothers and sisters, there will always be an emptiness inside if and when Christ is left outside. There will always be an emptiness inside if Christ is left outside. Think of your, your human heart. Yes, it's pumping blood this morning for each one of us. But in there, there's a thirst for something that only Jesus can satisfy. There's an unsatisfied longing, a vague discontent. And the fact remains the heart will be restless until they find rest in God. So to the woman, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, if only she knew who she was talking to, then she would have said, ask, and he would have given her living water. But Jesus is not referring to water like as in this cup. The woman was thinking, 
that Jesus was going to get water, this living water from Jacob's well. So she said, sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with. And this well is, as I mentioned, 100 feet deep. From where then are you going to get that, that living water? And I look at that verse uh, 11, and I, I, I could, I've been, could be wrong, but I get the point that she was basically saying, you're not going to borrow my pot to draw your water. But Jesus didn't need that. It appears that Jesus had aroused her interest. Because remember, no dealings with Jews and Samaritans. But notice the, the conversation happening here. Jesus would say something, and she'd come back, and she'd keep on talking. So he had aroused her interest. She kept talking, and she kept asking questions. And she said, uh, are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well? He came here to drink. His cattle got water from this well. Are you greater than he? And I go back to verse 10, where it says, if only she knew who she was talking to. And the good news is, as we'll see in verse 26, that she did find out. But she said, sir, give me this water. And she thought Jesus was referring to some unknown source of, of water. But living water is water that springs from an unfailing source, ever flowing and always fresh. Remember I said back in, with these warm days we've been having, we need that fresh water? That living water Jesus talked about is that plus so much more. It symbolizes redemption, including the forgiveness of sins, the daily commitment to follow Jesus Christ, and the desire to live a life that honors our Father. So when we have that within, this is what's going to happen. We have that desire within, I will please my Father. What was Jesus talking about? The indwelling, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see that a little bit later in, uh, in John 7. I've got a few points coming up, all from the book of John. But the Holy Spirit lives within and leads to what? Everlasting life. And the invitation that Jesus gave her in verse 10 mirrors the Bible's final invitation in Revelation 2.17. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that, is, that heareth, come. Let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Just picture the invitation. Jesus is saying, come. I have the water that, that the world needs. I have what it takes. To, I can fulfill you, and you will thirst no more. And there's another point that we'll look at shortly. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. More words of Christ in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, the promise, for they shall be filled. When we uh, fully surrender everything to Christ, Everything we have, we, we, we surrender to Christ. We lay our burdens at his feet. We place our complete trust in him. Then, brothers and sisters, we're going to feel satisfied. We will feel satisfied. There will be no need to searching for fulfillment elsewhere. The soul will be content and at peace in Jesus Christ. But seeking for something on this earth to fill that empty area in our soul will lead to a number of things. Discouragement, regret, sadness, and everything other than satisfaction. Another verse in John 7, 37. The last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The invitation is there. And brothers and sisters, do we see the heart desire of Jesus Christ? You think, well, that's just the woman of Samaria. No, that's to you and I. Jesus is saying, I am the living water. 
Jesus is saying, you're thirsty, you have a spot in your soul that needs to be filled, come unto me, I will fill it. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we're going to be filled. What are we searching for today? It's the question that was brought up in our Sunday school last other Sunday. What is our focus on? Are we searching, hungering, and thirsting after righteousness? Jesus knew the woman at the well was searching and was continually over and over coming up empty and unfulfilled. And Jesus knows where we are. Jesus knows when we were or are in the same condition, were in the same condition, I should say. So were we there or are we there today? Empty and unfulfilled. And he's extending to in his invitation to all who are searching. What we need to remember is true fulfillment is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come and drink and thirst no more. He is the source of living water. Are we thirsting, hungering and thirsting for him? Or are there other things in life that are distracting us from Jesus Christ, which is the source and also where true fulfillment is found? So for five quick points, we're going to use, uh, use an acrostic of the word water, W-A-T-E-R. Five points that's going to show the promises of drinking from Jesus Christ as our source of living water. And they're all taken from John, a few verses. We're going to come back to this chapter here before long as well. And you don't have to turn to them because I have the verses here in my notes. But the first one is, for W, it is way. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he adds, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So yes, we saw Jesus is the source of living water. And here we say Jesus is also the way. And what he is doing is providing key information for a searching soul. We're aware of it. We're living in a day of confusion. We need to be so careful what we see, what we listen to, what we believe. We're living in a day of confusion. It, gets, it seems like it's gotten worse here in 2020. But Jesus spelled out the fact clearly when he says, I am the way. For the searching soul that's at a crossroad in life, looking for fulfillment, the arrow is pointing to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, here am I. Just come unto me, drink, and you will be filled. We saw his invitation, come and drink. Now to those who have take, uh, accepted his invitation, who have took the drink, to those who are fulfilled, fulfilled, he calmly says, brother and sister, I am the way. Please don't go searching for another. Please don't take a shortcut. Please don't jump on the interstate and try to get ahead of others, he said, because I am the way. And it gets better. He says, I will direct your steps. I will show you the path. There is no need to fear. There is no need to doubt. Simply trust in me and follow in my footsteps. Jesus says, I am the way. Do you see the comfort and peace that floods our soul when we just take the step and say, Lord, I want you in my life. And he takes care of so much of the small details. And John 14, 6 also mentioned he is the truth and the life. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is all we need. And I trust we're there at the well drinking from Jesus Christ. He has the answers to the questions we face. He has the maps, the roads we travel. He is the source of living water for those searching. And he is the only way to our Heavenly Father. We need to be glad or happy for, uh, for Thomas. Sometimes we call him Doubting Thomas. But in, uh, in John 14, Thomas comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, uh, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And that when Jesus said that he answered Thomas by saying, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the way. Everything else is a dead-end street. Jesus is the truth. Everything else, most of everything else, is a lie. 
Buddha and Allah are, are, are only, or they're both imaginary gods, but Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Everything else is a way of death. And to continue on, Jesus is also the door and the ladder and the road by which we can come, be, uh, come rightly related to God. We can go right in that right relationship with our Father God. It's only through Jesus Christ. And we're talking just shortly about everlasting life. Our eternal destiny will be determined, is determined, by the decision we make about a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our eternal destiny will be determined by what you do with Jesus. Jesus has everything, and he is everything we need. And what will you do with him? As, as we know, neutral, you cannot be. Good morning, Shannon. I didn't see you before. Good to have you here and your wife. Sorry for the interruption. I didn't see Shannon. God bless you. Good to have you here. Wow, Shannon, you took my right off my notes. Where am I at? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, here we go. Jesus uh, provides the path, and yet he's the only way to the Father. And I ask you the question this morning, are you in a close relationship with the way? Are you in that close relationship with the Father and with the, with the, the source of living water? And there, you're, that's your decision you need to make. What have you decided to do with Jesus Christ? The, word, the letter A uh, is, would be abundant life, and that's John 10.10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more, and here we have it, more abundantly. Just think of the promises that Christ is providing for us. You know, some years certain crops produce exceptionally good yields. Like this year I think it was a wheat crop and, uh, and first cutting hay. I'm not a farmer. Close? He says I'm close. And we, when we have them good yields, we say that we use the word abundant when referring to the bountiful harvest. But when Jesus said life more abundantly, he was speaking about more than material abundance. The abundant life is a new quality of life. It's, it's life in its fullness. It's a feeling of accomplishment and inner peace that may be difficult to describe, but we know when it's missing. And this term here, abundant life, points to a depth of living today and also a focus on the joyous living hereafter. The abundant life includes the, the constant access we have to God through the avenue of prayer. It's also knowledge that our sins have been forgiven. You know, we can live at peace when we have that. And also we're keenly aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit to show us the way. And the abundant life provides completeness and satisfaction that comes from knowing Jesus as our shepherd. The promise that we have here are like a funnel, and they all point back to the Lord Jesus Christ and our connection that we have with him. You know, there is a, a calm feeling in the heart when our lives, when we're living our lives and we're obedient to the Spirit, and we're living without any unconfessed sin in our life. There's just a humble joy of knowing that God's pleased with our walk of life. And then also we live each day as if it would be our last and waiting for the day that we enter eternity. And this is available through the one who promises abundant life. You know, Jesus calls us to a life of surrender. You know, a life that will, the kind of life that will quietly lay down selfish desires and obediently follow the shepherd. And I trust that's where we are at this morning. And many look at, at this recipe and think, well, that's, that life is boring. 
But Jesus, on the other hand, promises an abundant, fulfilled life because he will take care of so many of them small details. He knows what we need more than we know ourselves. And our surrender to him and our obedience to him is not designed to be difficult and burdensome because we love him and we have a desire to please him because he first loved us. Sometimes the thought may cross your mind, and I hope it goes quickly back out the other side, but that sinners have all the good times. But that is far from the truth. On the other hand, God's people should be some of the happiest people in the world. Yes, we go through struggles and trials in life. We'll face the problem here and there. But our focus is on eternity and where the believer's life will be complete and perfect. So Jesus is the source of living water. He is the way, and he provides promises, abundant life for all who believe. The letter T, we're going to go back to thirst. And Jesus said in John 4, 14, Whosoever drinks the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But shall be in him a well water springing up into everlasting life. On an average warm summer day, uh, maybe we're going to pause and take a drink. How often? Maybe 23 times a day? Maybe more. Depends what you're doing. And the next day we'll do it again. Seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. We need water to survive. But Jesus said, when we drink of the living water, we shall never thirst again. All who drink of the living water Jesus provides will be satisfied and not have a sense of want nor desire for more. And many times, we see here, we say we'll never thirst, or our thirst is quenched. And many times when we're thinking about the word quench, it's referring to extinguishing a fire. Well, never thirst or having your thirst quenched is, is similar. Extinguishing your thirst or removing the desire for past sinful behavior and also replacing that with a feeling of satisfaction in Christ. Those who have been drinking from living water will have no desire to seek for happiness in other things and objects because Jesus will take care of the empty spots and voids in our life. We'll be satisfied with the grace of Christ. No desire for the pleasures and amusements of the world. And it says this is going to be forever in the world and in the world to come when we drink of Christ. All who partake of him will be forever satisfied. Can we see the blessing of just serving Christ? It gives us satisfaction that the world cannot give. Think about a small child uh, for, an, for an illustration. If, if a young baby is hungry, what's going to happen? They're going to wake up and cry. But when the baby is well fed and the belly is full, the crying stops. The baby, depends on the age, will smile and laugh. Fulfillment. Jesus provides a sense of inner satisfaction, like the baby with the full stomach. That empty spot in our soul is gone, and rest and sleep will come easily. There's an indwelling, indwelling grace that is going to constantly and fully supply the deepest necessities of our soul until we attain the complete blessedness of everlasting life. And the, the amazing part of this promise is that we're not going to feel the need to run here and there looking for something to replace that inner hollow spot because there will be no inner hollow spot. Jesus is there, and he says, if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. And that we conclude with, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The E for in uh, water, W-A-T-E-R, the E is everlasting life. Again, from John 14. For John 4, 14, 
I will give him and shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That new life that comes through Christ will spring into everlasting life. Picture a, a well of water, a constant supply, an unfailing fountain that lives within, springing up. It's a, a beautiful scene. It's going to bubble up or spring up like a fountain, not a stagnant pool or a deep well, but an ever-living fountain that flows all seasons of the year. And if we think about uh, as this water flows on and on and on, so many things on this side of eternity are temporal. Something happens for a while, and then in time, endure for time, then disappears. But Jesus promises his children eternal life, never-ending peace and contentment. Life in Christ refreshes and cheers the soul. Comes back to the invitation and your response to it. Then we can think, how can we thirst if Christ is our fountain? So if Christ is within, he says you'll never thirst, but how can we? We, we will not. But Christ is dwelling in our hearts. He's providing us uh, an abundant supply of living water. And what's going to happen is going to bubble up and overflow. And we use that as we reach out and let our light shine and reach others for Christ. This everlasting life is available nowhere except through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And to the end here, the R is for rivers of living water. And here's where John 7, 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Back in John 4, he promised that Samaritan woman, if you would ask, I would have given you living water. Here we see when we believe on Christ, we're going to be flowing forth. It's going to, uh, this living water is going to come flowing forth from us. John 8, John 7, 30, 37 to 39. In the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet come, not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So here we see, verse 39, a crucial verse. The verse that uh, defines the living water, what Jesus was speaking about, he was referring to the Holy Spirit. Yes, he offered that woman at the well living water. And here we see that Jesus said, anyone, everyone who believes will be a source of that living water. Jesus Christ is the original source. All who believe are become fountains of blessings to others. So Christ is the living water, and all who believe in Christ have Christ within, and will become a fountain to disperse living water wherever we go. So think about that as you're going throughout your lives. Who you are in Christ. He promised that woman living water, but to those who believe, he said, you are going to be a source of that living water as well. That's going to flow through you and into others. What for impact are you leaving on other souls? How are people, what do people see when they see you throughout the week? Are you letting your living water flow? And in conclusion here, we get to the end of uh, verse 26 in John 4, and then Jesus tells the woman who he is. He says to her, I that speak unto thee am he. Just a beautiful story, and we want to thank Jesus for everything he does for us. He is the living water. He is the way. He promises abundant life. He promises to quench our thirst. He also promises us everlasting life. And because of Jesus Christ, today we too can be a source of living water. So be that kind of person, refreshing and just giving encouragement to other people as we go throughout our lives. Many souls are searching. Be an answer to them. Be there for them.
Be the person that God calls you to be. Let your light shine and let your rivers flow. Lord, we come before you here this morning. I say thank you for your many rich blessings, for all you have done for us. And God, we just think of you as our source of living water. I thank you for the promises which are in your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have said, told us that you are the way. Lord, you promised us abundant life. Lord, you said we will never thirst. Lord, you give us everlasting life. And Lord, when we believe in you, we can be, as you said, there rivers of living water. I pray for each soul here this morning. If there's a soul here that is searching, I pray, Lord, that they can take this encouragement to fill you with that spot. Accept you as a personal Savior. If there are souls here this morning that have known you as a personal Savior, I pray, Lord, that they can continue forth into letting their light shine. And, Lord, just being that rivers of living water, reaching out and making an impact on other searching souls. Lord, may we be diligent in our lives. May we have that complete love and trust that you want us to be, have. And may, Lord, we just be a light to this world that we live in. Give us wisdom and direction, we pray in your name. Amen.